thank you so much this compliment needed in our worship and prayer god bless you good morning everybody good morning i hope you all slept well depending where you are in the world it could be afternoon could be morning but i like to believe that the majority of us are in the morning Today is a good day, it's the 18th of January and we thank God for allowing us to see yet again another precious moment. I'm sorry if you can hear some noise in my background, um, I do apologise in advance for that, it's where I'm located, um, but yes, please bear with me in regards to that. Uh, before we go into the word, let us just pray. Oh God, we just say thank you. We honor you this morning with the breath that you have placed inside our lungs. We say thank you, God, for the gift of life. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we're sharing as a family to hear your word and to worship you in spirit and in truth, oh God. We pray, Lord, that whatever I say, will it come straight from your heart. It will not be me speaking, it will be you. Lord, please give me the ability to articulate every single point that you want me to make this morning let me not go beyond what you want me to say let me say exactly what you want me to say and how you want me to say it and i pray for all the listeners that you also bless them lord and let them hear what they need to hear this morning in jesus name we pray amen so glory be to god yesterday i was just you know talking to god i was just meditating i was listening to some worship i was sitting down and i was just like speak lord and the chapter that he gave me was john chapter four and you know we are talking about intimacy well most well the theme for this year is the word for this year rather is intimacy developing a closeness with god uh, a relationship with god seeing him more clearly um hearing him there's a song um to see you more clearly love you more dearly follow you more nearly um that's intimacy to just have an intensified relationship with god that is deep and meaningful personal and beautiful and i was just like okay lord we, we definitely gotta we, we gotta keep talking about this and god brought me to john chapter four i'm gonna post it we're just we're gonna actually look at john uh chapter four verse one to 26 the passion version and just before i post it in the group it's about jesus when you know john chapter four is full of a lot of miracles that jesus did but this is about jesus meeting the woman at the well i'm sure we've heard the uh the story of the woman at the well Samaritan woman was drawing water. Jesus was tired. He'd been traveling with the disciples and decided to rest. And he happened to meet this woman. And he goes and has a talk with her because, you know, Jesus is a conversationalist. He knows how to talk, he knows how to, to educate and to bless. He's very gifted in the area of evangelism, and that's no surprise. After all, he is the Savior, the Messiah. I'm just going to quickly put it in the group now, okay? I'm just going to read it and then I'll put up a few points from there. 
So <clears throat> I'll read now uh, John chapter 4. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So his disciples were, you know, baptizing. Um, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, so it's probably a bit hot around that time. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Because his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans because Jews actually saw Samaritans as impure. Especially, I believe, Samaritan women in terms of hierarchy. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, said the woman, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep where can you get this living water are you greater than our father jacob who had gave us this well and drank it for himself as did also his sons and his livestock jesus answered everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water i will give them will never thirst indeed the water i give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life it's beautiful imagery right there the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i can get first sorry sir give me this water so that i won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water he told her go call your husband and come back i have no husband she replied and Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, she said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, Christ is called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one who's speaking to you, I am he. Hallelujah. I just realized I didn't read the Passion Version, which is what I wanted to do, but it is well. 
I'm going to pick up some things from the passion version. Forgive me. I was actually meant to show the passion version. So anyway, this is a very beautiful um, example of Jesus meeting people where they are and leaving them different because we didn't read everything in this chapter but if you read the rest of the chapter you know you understand she goes and she tells people about her encounter with jesus and not only that she brings people to him um and they eventually say that oh you know we no longer just believe you we actually have experienced what you're saying so the people that she brought the other samaritans were able to have a, an encounter with god based on the word of her testimony and i think what really stood out to me was the ability for Jesus to kind of call out sin, but also correct the sin and explain to her that, you know, when you worship in spirit and in truth, it's not about where you worship. So, you know, she was saying, oh, we, we believed you worship here and you worship here. But Jesus inadvertently explained to her that it's about the heart at the end of the day. It's not about the, the location. It's not about the place. It's about the heart. And again, it kind of made me understand that sometimes as believers, I don't know, maybe you grew up in a particular tradition, in a particular way, of, in a particular culture. And some of these things that you have grown up doing or believing could actually make people, could actually make your relationship with God be slightly hindered. In this particular case, um, this woman didn't think that she had already regarded herself when when jesus had asked her for a drink she was questioning him how can you ask me for a drink don't you see me as you know don't you know the relationship that samaritans have with the jews um she probably already saw herself as inferior even being a woman because there were times when women were treated a particular way just for being women and i just tried to figure out the type of mentality or mindset she had about herself and how Jesus always had a way of going to the people who probably felt so low, were always were consumed with sin, and how in just a conversation he was able to completely change their mindset and make them realize that they were loved and valued, and also point out their iniquity, but also point out a solution to how they can overcome their iniquity. And, you know, it, it again emphasized the power of evangelism how Jesus was able to go to the well and use what was around at the time to explain the gift of salvation and to explain the Holy Spirit. And of course, I, anytime I, I read the parables that Jesus, uh, read the parables of Jesus, I, you know, definitely because Jesus was a son of God. He is a son of God. He was a very gifted orator. He knew how to talk to people. He knew how to express himself to people who had no idea of spiritual matters. He was patient. He was observant. He definitely was intelligent. But most of all, he had a vision. He had a mission. And that mission was to make sure that people understood, first of all, the gift of salvation and then how they can maintain, how they can um, maintain and live a holy and righteous life. So, you know, after what I found interesting was after he explained to the woman that, you know, if you drink, if you ask me for a drink, you will never thirst again. And then shortly after he talked, he points out her sin. So she's at this point, this woman is excited. She's like, wow, I definitely want to have a taste of this water. 
I want to be able to never thirst again. Like, give me a bucket. Where can, how can I, you know, she's questioning. And then he great, basically, he kind of highlights to her what could hinder her from seeing, from knowing the living water. I mean, from experiencing the living water. So it, it kind of reminded me that in order to experience God, there are some things that we have to out, we have to look at in ourselves. We have to observe and say, okay, God, what is it that is hindering me from seeing you in your entirety? What is hindering me from being quenched? Why am I still thirsty? What is not allowing me to see you and to hear you? What is not allowing me to be intimate with you? Um, again, I think I've spoken about this before, but it, it just came back to my heart about analysis, about really, you know, sitting down with yourself and thinking, okay, Lord, I know that there's a certain way I think at times, there's a certain way I do things, but I want to do things in spirit and in truth. This time around, God, as I'm embarking on this beautiful journey of rediscovery with you, of understanding who I truly am in you, of breaking down the walls of confusion and tradition and legalism in my life, as I now break forth from this mindset that could be hindering me from, um, from, from knowing the true you, I want you to lead me I want you to take out and uproot these things that could potentially stop me from seeing you in the light I need to see you in. Because this lady, when she saw Jesus, of course, she wasn't aware of who she was. Because again, the Jews didn't think the Samaritans were, you know, anything to write home about, as they would say. Um, and so it was possible that, um, no, I mean, this, not that it was possible, this scripture shows how would she have known there's no way she would have known and i thought to myself okay when jesus came to her and was saying to her you know talking to her um i think he allowed what he was saying to do i know that sounds kind of confused but he allowed what he was saying to do the talking so he first of all he didn't just go and say i am you know i am the i am the messiah he kind of made her work it out through what she was through what she was saying and then that was how she was able to discover who jesus was because initially when she pointed out his sin she called him a prophet and then you know she was getting a step closer a step closer and then eventually she she worked it out could you be the the messiah and then when she now had a full understanding of who he who he was because you know when he mentioned the, the sin of her having five husbands she was ashamed she quickly changed the subject you know she wasn't like oh you know yes it's true um well she did confirm that it was true but she didn't like sort of dwell on it she 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 wanted to quickly push it aside and when i even read that part again and i realized how many husbands she's had it can't the first thing that came to me was like this woman probably was looking for love in all the wrong places she couldn't find it and she kept going from one man to the next man to the next man and i think this uh, part um example is so poignant because it again reflects the love of jesus that you know you can be looking left right center everywhere but the love the peace, the joy, the the comfort you need can only really be found from one source, the Messiah. And I think that was a 
big revelation to her because everything that she had been doing up until that point didn't really make sense but she did it because she wanted to get to a particular place in her life which was probably satisfaction fulfillment she definitely wanted to experience love and purpose and she didn't and that's how some of us are as well we live lives thinking that this is how it's meant to be that this is what we want to experience this is what we want to feel but most sometimes we do it without the knowledge or understanding that Jesus is the only one that can quench and uh fulfill what it is that you need in your life you know like how some people jump into relationships or people go into jobs or people do certain things to feel a certain way and they still end up feeling empty they still end up feeling um disheveled feeling depressed feeling worried god is providing a solution the solution is him he will always be the solution he will always give you that sense of 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 uh what's that word i'm looking he will he will make you understand who you are and just before i round up you know um i guess the, the main point i wanted to make is that your relationship with god will serve as a testimony that will transform a nation she transformed the people with her encounter i'm sure you know we just saw a segment of the conversation the conversation between jesus and this samaritan woman it's probably much longer than this and much deeper it probably exposed a lot of things to her and she was able to at the end of that conversation have you know essentially a life changing experience and um it was this life changing experience that helped her to go with confidence and tell people about Jesus and ironically the the disciples had gone into town and they didn't bring back anyone to Jesus but this woman who was seen as the lowest of the low who was seen as sorry to say scum essentially she went and brought back loads of people and we see so many examples of this in the bible how people who were seen as the lowest as the low were the ones that actually went and did the work for Jesus they evangelized and they they brought back people to him because there's there's we can never underestimate the the power of love and how it can transform someone's way of thinking into believing that yes i am truly loved and appreciated by god i'm sure this woman after hearing a ma- after hearing a man who usually you know i don't know how this woman was usually spoken to by men you know she probably she could have left those of her husbands because they were probably they could have been abusive to her they could have been mean to her made her feel worthless but a man who was meant to see her or has traditionally seen her people as imp- as completely impure was showing her so much patience grace and love that itself can transform someone into thinking that yes i am actually loved and appreciated But I guess the main point I wanted to point out was that you know cultural traditional things could hint essentially didn't allow her to really experience Jesus until that moment until Jesus broke that barrier and let her know that all these things don't matter is what about what God thinks of you is not necessarily about what people think of you and then also the fact that the heart is the most important thing because in the passion version 
where it says God wants his people to worship him in spirit and in truth. He says here from verse 23, from now on, worshiping the father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart. It will not be a matter of a right place, but with a right heart. So this is just encouraging us to make sure that our hearts are right before God so that he can have, um, he can show us things that are even beyond our understanding and give us the sorry my alarm went off show us things that are beyond our understanding okay that's that's all i have to say thank you so much for listening over to you sister sylvia good morning good morning well thank you so much god bless you for that sermon um i'm so glad that you treated the other part of this um, chapter i'm really grateful um i wanted to talk about it but i'll just i'll still share something little it's not little it's just god's work and it's not little i'll still share a bit but before we share please can i just pray um father we thank you for your amazing love father you're good we acknowledge that you are good lord and we ask, God, oh Lord, that you take absolute control of this session, the Bible study session. We ask that you speak to us through your word. We ask that you give us revelation, insight, understanding, and wisdom. We ask that you convict us to repentance and you show us how to live as children of God. I ask, God, oh Lord, that you take absolute control of my lips. May I speak everything you want me to say and not say what you do not want me to say. May the Spirit of God give me utterance in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So good morning, everyone. I hope everyone can hear me. If you can't hear me or the network starts to misbehave, kindly let me know. So Lola, 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 thank you for treating this um, scripture. Thank you. I noticed that when you were reading, I, I kept looking for this <laughs> version you were reading from because I know you shared the TPT version, but I'm really, really glad you shared the TPT version. Why it talked about the hearts. I've not seen this. Um, I've not. I don't think I've studied this scripture in CPT before. I don't think so, because here it talks about the hearts. It talks about the hearts, and when Jesus responded to her in verse twenty-one, says, um, "Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your hearts." But in your heart, I like that. Thank you, Lord, for that translation. Okay, now, um, a lot of us um, gravitate towards the love of God, which is an amazing thing. When you experience Jesus, when you experience God, that's one thing that we pray for, for believers, that people would not just know about God, because a lot of Christians know about God. Many people do not have, have never had an encounter. So you see it from the way they live their lives and the way they approach other people. You just know the one that has been with Jesus. Like the Bible said, um, states that was it Peter and John that were preaching, and, and they said that they knew that these ones had been with Jesus. There's a difference when you encounter Jesus. Your testimony of faith is absolutely different from the testimony of faith of someone who has never encountered Christ. Knowing about Christ is not the same as encountering Christ. This woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, had heard about the Messiah. She knew that there was a prophet to come. 
she knew just like a lot of believers know about Jesus but not many of them have had an encounter so you see a careless lifestyle in the life of a believer why there is no encounter because there is no how you encounter Christ and remain the same it's not possible have you seen those people who die and come back to life have you seen how their life changes even if some of them may slip back into the world but an encounter changes you it doesn't leave you the same you will know the ones who have really been with Jesus just by the way they live their lives and their fruits and another thing i always share is that once you have an encounter with the lord your attitude towards service will change the way you serve god it's very easy for one to throw money at the church and not do the work you know that sometimes we can take the easy way out and not serve but give but you cannot do one and leave the other see when you love a person you give to the person and you serve the person so you can't say i love you oh lola i love you so i'm just going to be giving you an allowance but i will never serve you then that means my love is not genuine because if i truly love lola i will serve her i will go out of my way even when it's uncomfortable and i will do the things that please her why because i genuinely love her in the same way i can't say that i love lola and i will serve her and i will never give to her then i'm a liar because when you love you give and you serve just like in marriage when you love your spouse you give to your spouse and you serve your spouse and let's not forget that we are the bride of christ so that means if we are really in a marriage covenant with Christ what does that mean we will love and serve him we will give to him and when a person truly loves see you can know a lover it's very easy to know a lover watch the person watch the person you will see the fruits watch the person this woman encountered Jesus and did you notice from this scripture that she the encounter did not leave her the same the same thing with Paul Apostle Paul Ap Apostle Paul did not walk with Christ while he was on earth as man no but just one encounter shook his world turned his world upside down and he was never ever the same an encounter I've said this before. If you've never had an encounter, you better pray for it to change your attitude totally. You will see sin for what it is. Right now, if you are still okay, it's not a big deal. I respect the way people live. If you are seeing sin as something that is not a big deal, you've not had an encounter. It's obvious. Because sin is a big deal to God. It can wreck you. It can wreck you. A lot of people see sin as a scratch on the flesh. But 
Let me tell you the truth. If you keep scratching a person's leg, you have sharp nails and you keep scratching. If you do it for a few seconds, it may not hurt badly. Do it for one day. Scratch at the same spot for one day. Just do it consistently and see if the skin will not tear. That's how sin is. It's just, it's just, it's just do it consistently and see what happens to you. Never underestimate the power of sin. That's why when Jesus healed in the Bible, when you read the stories in the Bible where Jesus healed the person, he says, go and sin no more. Why? Why, why do you think? Have you ever thought about it? Why did he always end like that? End with that statement? In some, in, in some parts of the Bible, you see it. Go and sin no more. Why? Sin is powerful. Sin can make you sick. Oh. Oh, it can make you sick. Now, when, when, I, when I'm talking about sickness, someone will say, oh, yes, it can give you high blood pressure. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Unforgiveness in your heart can lead to cancer. It can understand that when you are unforgiving, you are attracting demons. And demons don't come as one. They are very relational. A lot of people don't love themselves. They can't work as a team the way demons work as a team. They are very united. So when one demon comes and is feeling and finding the flames of your heart of unforgiveness, the others come with them without, without one demon. And most times, it comes with sickness. The demon responsible for a particular sickness. And you wonder why a believer is so sick all the time. Check their hearts. Check their hearts. Check their hearts. Now, I'm going back to this scripture. What are you, if you've had an encounter with Christ, what are you doing with your, with your encounter with Christ? Some of us here have had an encounter. What are you doing with it? Because look at what happened in this scripture. The minute the woman's eyes opened to who Jesus was, the minute she caught the revelation. See, Jesus was talking to her. There was no revelation. That is what happens in a lot of our lives. We are hearing God speak. We are reading the word. We go to church. But there is no revelation. It's just routine. The minute there is an encounter, a revelation comes. So she had an encounter, but yet there was no revelation. The minute she saw Jesus for who she was, sorry, for who he was, what did she do? She reacted to it. The thing that was important to her. See, if you've met someone who has an encounter, most times they have an agenda for their life. The minute they encounter Christ, they drop everything and start to pursue the agenda of Christ. Why? Jesus comes with his own will. The will of the Father. You just notice that, ah, if the person is a medical doctor and the person is doing this, the next thing the person has ventured into another field of medicine or is doing something else. Check the people that have had encounters. They never are the same. Peter had an encounter with Jesus. There was no clear revelation. He did not see Jesus for who he was. The minute his eyes opened, Bros left the harvest and followed Jesus. That's what an encounter does to you. It turns your whole life around. It happened to me. I'm not the same. I can't even tell you where 
what happened? I can't explain it. How do I explain it? I was working as an IT engineer, as a consultant. The next thing, clarity came. Jesus just, it's just like, you know when there's a 360 move, I'm like, I'm like what's going on, man? I don't understand. He didn't leave me wrecked. No. He changed my life. This woman saw him as Messiah. The minute Jesus introduced himself to her as Messiah, her eyes opened. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. He knew that there was a thirst in her. There was a hunger in her heart. For you to have five husbands, there is indeed something you're searching for that has not been satisfied. Do you know how the world will have looked at a woman like this? She has married five times. Five times. And Jesus said, let's go back. Go get your husband and bring him here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said. For you've been married five times. And now you are living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. See, it was clear that this woman was living a reckless life. But you see, God looks beyond the fruits. He looks at the roots. She was thirsty. No wonder Jesus came to the well. She was thirsty for something that the world could not give her. And she was searching for it in the arms of men. Five husbands and one side guy. Because she was living with a man that was not her husband. Jesus didn't condemn her. Can you see how we should approach situations as Christians? It's not your job to condemn. It's your job to restore. Jesus was more interested in restoration than condemnation. He didn't condemn her. He knew her story. Possibly he had seen her sleeping. You know, God is everywhere. He sees everything. He had seen her with different men. Time they were intimate. He had seen everything. And he knew that there was a hunger in this woman that was not carnal. It was a hunger for him and she just didn't know. She needed the right man. And that's the son of God. The minute she saw him for who she was, this woman had, you see what I was talking about? When you have an encounter with Jesus, your plans for life changes. You just don't, you can't explain it. Ask anyone who has had an encounter. If you have a good teacher, a good pastor, ask him. Ask him. He will tell you. The plans he had, everything went upside down. I can't explain. Whenever my siblings ask me, I don't know how to explain what's going on in my life. How can I explain something I don't understand? I don't understand it. It's God that knows what he's doing. This woman, her plans changed. She dropped, she came there. She had, she had a goal. Her goal was to get some water with her water jar, right? The minute this woman realized who she was speaking to, Verse 28, all at once, the woman left her water jar. She left that thing that was important. The minute you have an encounter with God, your own personal encounter, the things that seem important, you see how fickle and how vain they are. 
are no longer as important. Why? The will of the Father is the first thing on your mind. How do I please God? That's the first thing on your mind. See the woman's reaction to an encounter. The question I have for you today, what have you done with your encounter with Christ? Verse 28, all at once, the woman left her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone she became an evangelist. Verse 29, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to see Jesus. This woman, a Samaritan woman, she was not a Jew, became an evangelist. All it took was one encounter. What are you doing with your encounter? Apostle Paul, let's look at his encounter. Apostle Paul, that is Acts what again? Jesus calls Paul. What did he do with his own encounter? What did he do with his encounter? What did he do with his encounter? Please, where is it in the Bible again? I know it's in the book of Acts. Acts works. Um, let's, let's search for it until we find it. <laughs> hey, let's search for it. If, you, if you've gotten there, just, you can just help us with it. Acts. Let me start with Acts 4. Um, after the stoning of Stephen. After Acts 7 is where Stephen was stoned to death. Yeah. There should be Acts 9. Thank you. Acts chapter 9. Let's look at Paul's encounter. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Should we use um, Lola's favorite translation? TPT. Acts chapter 9. Okay, let's do TPT. During those days, Saul, full of angry threats and rage, wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. So he went to ask the high priest and requested a letter of authorization he could take to the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requ requesting their cooperation in finding and arresting anyone who were followers of the way, that is Christ. Saul wanted to capture all the believers he found, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. So he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus. He had authorization to persecute Christians. He had authorization to persecute Christians. Just outside the city, a brilliant light shining from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This was his encounter. The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless, for they heard a heavenly voice but could see no one. Saul replied, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus the Victorious, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city where you will be told what you are to do. Saul stood to his feet, even though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He was blind. So the men had to take him by hand, by the hand and lead him to Damascus. For three days, he didn't eat or drink 
and couldn't see a thing. Living in Damascus was a believer. So now, understand that this guy had a mission, he had a goal. After the encounter, he wasn't left the same. As far as I'm concerned, Paul was completely wrecked, but in a good way. His agenda changed. His agenda changed. His agenda changed. Let's go to the verse 18. After it was Ananias that prayed for him, right? 18. All at once, the crusty substance that was all over Saul's eyes disappeared and he could see perfectly. Immediately, he got up and was baptized. After eating a meal, his strength returned. Within the hour, he was in synagogues. Let me tell you, eh? you can't tell me you love Jesus and you're not preaching it. Your love is not real. Because look at the reaction of those who encountered Christ. It started to evangelize. You cannot know. It's just like I go to a dealer shop, a car dealer shop, and I find out that they are giving out three cars. And I know that Lola needs a car. Wouldn't I be a wicked person if I know that there is a car dealer shop you can go to and get a free car? Nothing, no loan, nothing. You want to tell everyone you love, right? How can you know about Jesus and not tell the world? And not preach? Then do you love? Have you ever seen anyone who is happily married? Who loves their spouse? They talk about it though. Oh, this guy is amazing. Oh, this woman is such an amazing. Why? You can't hold back a good thing. You will share it. So look at this guy. The minute his sight was restored and he regained his strength, Verse 20, within the hour, he was in synagogues preaching about Jesus and proclaiming Jesus is the Son of God. Wow. That was his reaction to the, his encounter. What's your reaction to your encounter? You tell me you don't have time. Are you kidding me? Then you don't have an encounter. Because an encounter doesn't leave you the same. You can't help it. It's like, Power bursting out from the inside of you. You will see it on the outside. Have you ever seen fire in someone? You will see the smoke. Within the hour, within the hour, they didn't say the next day, within the hour, he was in synagogues preaching about Jesus and proclaiming Jesus is the Son of God. Those who heard him were astonished, saying amongst themselves, Isn't this the Saul who furiously persecuted those in Jerusalem, who called on the name of Jesus? Did he come here with permission from the high priest to drag them off and take them as prisoners? He needed the letter of authorization. This guy got it. What is he doing? Verse 22. Paul's power increased greatly as he became more and more proficient in proving that Jesus was the anointed Messiah. The more you walk and do the will of God, the more power you have access to. A lot of believers are praying every morning, night. They are joined prayer crusade. Why? They want power, miracle. Ah, don't you know that Jesus said, this sign will follow them. You do what he told you to do. You will not search for power. You will use power. Ah, yeah. We're getting it wrong. So you see, believers, they are praying for signs and miracles. Do you understand that if you obey God, 
you will walk in power. You step into a home, and the home, the atmosphere of the home changes. People can't explain why. You step into a school, the atmosphere of that school changes. They, they can't explain. You are oozing power. You are a vessel of power. The anointing is upon you. It's going to spread. It's going to spread. Saul's power increased greatly as he became more and more proficient in proving that Jesus was the anointed Messiah. Saul remained there for several days with the disciples, even though it agitated the Jews of Damascus. Why, this guy has been transformed, man. He's been transformed. You hear of stories of people writing a full list of what their 10 year um, plan and then they encounter Christ and you just find out that the person's life what they wrote before five years ago it's not what you are seeing on their paper on that paper everything changed everything why that's the fruit of an encounter you are not left the same everything now aligns with the will of God why it is he that is most important in your life so if it's not in his will you cross it out of your list you just find out that the person is more tolerant. You are talking to the person. You have you've annoyed the person, and the person just is quiet. I'm like, ah, Lola, is it not you? You that you can vex. You're not vexing again. Ah, I just, I just, I, I pulled your hair. And you're, you're not reacting. Why? You are not the same person. Come on. You are not the same person. Matthew was a tax collector. Do you know what it means to be a tax collector for the Romans? He must have had a good amount of, he must have had a good access or good access to money. He wasn't your average guy. Matthew left his occupation. Ah, see, I mean, a lot of believers are not, they don't, they, no, they don't have an encounter. It shows. That's why you go for gatherings and sometimes there's no power. Why? The people that are gathering don't even believe in who they are gathering for. Pray if you've not had an encounter. Pray for an encounter, your own personal encounter. Pray for your own. And if you've had yours, I'm asking you this question. What are you doing with your encounter, please? You cannot encounter God, encounter Christ, encounter the Holy Spirit. And be the same. You can't. Your feet will be restless. People meet you and the only conversation, before you know it, you people are talking about shoes. The next thing you are talking about Jesus. And they are like, you know, you're only done too much. What is with you? Like, we are just talking about shoes and now you are talking about Jesus. What is all this? Can't you have a conversation without talking about Jesus? And you tell them, I'm sorry, I can't. I, I can't help it. I don't know how it happens. We just gravitate towards God. Pray for your own encounter. It will change your life. Prayer would mean dif something different to you when you have an encounter with God. Prayer will be something you crave. It's not something you're overdoing. You will not be ashamed to pray. Why? You can't miss communicating with the one you love. It's not a chore. I like to gist with my husband. 
I like us to cheese too. So sometimes I'll just tell him, bros, take a break from work now. No cheese now. Ah, I've not cheesed. You know the feeling for body. Sorry, I'm speak, speaking pidgin English. But that's the truth. Why? You want to speak with the one you love. You can't say you love God and prayer will become a chore. No, there is something wrong with that relationship. There's something wrong with it. That means you don't understand who he is. You don't understand who you are. You don't understand the importance of communicating with him. And that relationship is not so real. When you understand that God is with you, you know that you ought to speak to him. So let's pray for those who haven't had an encounter. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you have your own personal encounter of Jesus. Then for those who have had an encounter or have had several encounters, I pray that you will use the encounter for the glory of the Father. That if you have been dragging your feet to do what God has told you to do, henceforth you start to obey and you will receive strength. The way Paul ate a meal and his strength returned, you will eat the word of God and your strength will return. And then you will start to do what the Father wants you to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you everyone for joining today's session. Don't forget that God loves you. All this is all about love. John 3.16 is love. All breathed from love, the place of love. For God so loved the world. So God loves you and he really loves you. No one can love you the way God loves you. No one can ever love you the way God loves you. God loves you so much, each and every one of you listening. God loves you so much. God wants to spend eternity with you. He wants you to spend eternity with him. He wants you saved. And he wants you to live a life that shows who he is. Because you're a child of God. So you have the DNA of the Father in you. He wants you to live a life that honors him, that brings him glory. So start to live that life. And as you do that, lead souls to Christ. I pray that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to the will of God. And you start to walk in the will of God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Have a blessed day. Everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.